Check my inbox and what do I see? Just another day, another T-R-A-D-E I'm an addict And I need it in my veins, I'm an addict Otherwise I feel plain now Every day I wake up, people got a problem Making all these trades up, got me singing got em, But I've been paid up, I even started from the bottom See I don't wait up, I ain't even playing possum So what it cost them, just a couple of firsts Can't believe that it worked, not to say I'm a jerk But I'm an addict, it's what I said in the first You can curse all you want, you can And I'm not really ashamed, I'm an addict I'm reclining with the brain, I'm an addict And the pot is what I'm playing, I'm an addict Russ and Rocky Other names Trade addicts pie Let's go I am Rocky Petrella And I have a trading problem I'm Scott Sidlow And I also have a trading problem And I'm Tommy Blair And I too have a trading problem Hey everybody, welcome to session 297 of the Trade Addicts Podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, the DAP Network, if you will, and we will, there we go. Okay, so as you can hear, Russ is uh, not here today, I believe he's in Disney with the family, so Russ, Russ is not thinking about us even a little bit, but uh, <laughs> we're here tonight to, to, to go over uh, all the Dynasty stuff with you. And uh, the non-point scoring season is here, as Russ loves to say. So, Scott, I'm very happy to have Scott Sidlow here with me. Been a while since I got to, to talk with Scott on the pod here. Scott, how you doing tonight? And are you happier that the non-point scoring season is here and, and the point scoring season is over? Yeah, man, it's great to be back. 2024, it's a new year, so uh, let's make it happen. Um, yeah, frankly, I am happy. Uh, Frank? In the chat, frankly, I am happy. Um, it's <laughs> Frank's the best. By the way, I just want to say real quick, I want you to keep talking, but Frank, he sends Russ the news every week. He heard Russ was not here and DM'd me the news. So thank you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Frank is so on it. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am excited because I'm exhausted. I am exhausted setting all these lineups and doing all these things. And as much fun as it is and as much as I love it, I need a break. I need to get into this next uh, portion here. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's to come and how to improve my teams uh, in the non-point scoring season. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that. And that, that's where I'm at, too. I, I've always said I know a lot of people like the non-point scoring season better. I do like the point scoring season better. But at this point of the year, I'm ready for it to be over. I'm with you. It's all those, especially with all the leagues we're in, uh, setting all those lineups, ignoring waivers every week is really hard. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm ready to have a little break. And then like a month from now, I'll be wishing point scoring season was here again while everyone else is loving the uh, the, the, the rookies and on everything else that goes on exactly. with point scoring season. But uh, let's introduce our guest and maybe, maybe he can chime in on, on which one he likes better and how he's feeling now that the non-point scoring season is here. But we have Tommy, FF Tommy B. Tommy, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where they can find what you do? Yeah, I'm Tommy B. Um, I am the co-host of the Superflex Super Show with the Superflex dude himself, John Hogue. Um, I'm on Twitter, begrudgingly as well. 
Um, so DM me, please, if uh, you want to talk strategy. And only, I am only happy. Twitter. F, uh, X does not exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm happy to not get start sit questions anymore. I love helping out fantasy football players, but I'm a terrible at start sit questions. I think and we all me, are. it's like it's it's not that enjoyable because if you get it right, whatever. If you get it wrong, sometimes people get at you for it. Um, but I'm gonna miss the point scoring season. Like everything I do in the off season is aimed at week one now, and what is that like 40 weeks away now? So yeah. for me, it's just, it's the long wait. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I it's the, this part's fun, but I, I scoring points to me and winning is more fun. Sorry. <laughs> Russ would hate hearing that, but th- that's what, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get into some news we have here. Um, as we said, Frank always loves to give us the news. Big news since the last episode uh, was the whole Russell Wilson saga. Uh, where no one expected it, but he ends up getting benched for contract reasons. Uh, sounds like he may be getting cut in the offseason, possibly. Uh, have a new landing spot. Uh, Going to take on a crap load of dead cap, and they, they didn't want to take on more by risking him getting hurt. So, Tommy, how what do you think of this whole Russell Wilson situation? And what do you think, Dynasty, like where is he valued now for you? Uh, knowing he may not be a Bronco. He's one of the players that I have pretty low rostership of in Superflex leagues, and I've been trying to rectify that. I like the profile. I'm not turned off by the past couple of years. It was kind of an S-show, uh, the whole dynamic over the past two coaching staffs. I think a, a clean start is probably best for everybody. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to buy in yet. Um, and so during this non-point scoring season... I'm curious as to where the market is going to settle on a Russ Wilson, because it feels inevitable that he is the starting quarterback of a football team next year, somewhere in the NFL. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. And he, he, he was not great, like not amazing or anything this year, but he was not that bad either. Like I I was looking at it on the trade addict scoring before the show and he is QB 21 or actually tied for QB 20, which doesn't sound great, but at 19.7 points per game, the, the, the QB nine, which by the way was Patrick Mahomes, was twenty one point four. So that's one point seven points. It's it's not like you were losing a ton starting Russ this year, uh, and I think he actually played probably better than than people might have even thought. I mean, he had like I think I saw his actual NFL stats were like twenty six touchdowns, eight interceptions, something like that. Uh, was was having a solid season and it was doing better of late. And then of course he gets benched when I have him on a couple different title teams. So that was fun. But, but Scott, why don't you chime in on your thoughts on Russ? Yeah, I mean, he's got 80 million left dead cap uh, after this year. So, you know, I guess I, I think the the new owners gave him that deal, right? The new ownership was in place before he, I think so, yeah. he got that deal. But, you know, I guess they probably just look at it and say, well, you know, uh, we have to let's just spend the 80 million and get rid of him. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is it just Sean Payton winning out and, and saying, you know, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's go with the coach. I've always kind of questioned Sean Payton and I know everybody scoffs when I say that, but I just, I honestly don't know what the guy's done without Drew Brees. And I mean, I'm sure you could say that about a lot of coaches, um, and vice versa with quarterbacks too. Right. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe Pete Carroll deserves a little bit more credit than we all want to give him, uh, at, you know, in, in hindsight, certainly. But uh, for me personally, you know, Russell Wilson is unfortunately one of my most rostered quarterbacks at this point. Although I did I did get my roster shipped down a little bit before the season, uh, even taking a slight discount probably will work out in the long term. Um, he's just always one of those like QB twos you could get cheap enough to kind of fill in that super flex spot. So, uh, you know, my, my prediction for him is that he does get cut based on his, uh, you know, his team, his people wanting him out of Denver at this point. Um, you know, whether the team, whatever they want to restructure, what I, I just don't think he's going to do anything there. He's, he's going to be gone. Uh, so maybe it's a trade, maybe it's a cut, maybe it's a buyout. Who knows? You know, we'll, we'll see something happen there. He won't be back in Denver. My prediction is that he goes to Atlanta to team with everyone's favorite coach, Arthur Smith, and oh, they God. win a Super Bowl. <laughs> and win a Super Bowl. And does he still continue not to throw to Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London? He will make <laughs> one player relevant. You you choose the player, but only one. Frank in the chat says he loves Russ for Minnesota. I wouldn't hate that either. Some good weapons there. You don't like it, Scott? No, nah, uh, Kirk, Kirk will be back. You think so? Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. So one of, one of the many things I didn't get to talk about uh, in the last couple of months was, you know, I didn't really hear about, you know, obviously we had the Rogers Achilles thing, right? So people talked a little bit about the Achilles early on. But if you go back in time and we're looking at same position here, I don't want to hear about wide receivers or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's quarterback. It's different. Uh, Dan Marino tore his Achilles like in October and by the next year, he came back at one of his best years ever. So and, uh, 20 years ago, right? So uh, technology, uh, more than that, 25 years ago, probably 30 years ago. Um, you know, so technology medicine's come a long way since then. I, I don't see why Kirk couldn't be back week one. Um, hearing him on some things that he's done, podcasts and whatnot, he, he talks about how he wants to play. A little bit longer because he his kids are kind of old enough to realize what it is he wants to have them around he wants to have them be a part of it whatever so you can kind of hear personally like he wants to keep playing so that's not a factor at this point um so yeah i think he'll be back and i think he makes a lot of sense to stay in minnesota that's probably the most likely outcome yeah and to your it's point, not everybody's favorite it's the most likely outcome and to your point aaron Rodgers is even older and there was talk of if the jets were in the playoff race of them activating him at the end of the season i, I think he so, i think that was possible yeah so i yeah i think kirk is back by week one i agree with yeah, you 100 percent. and just curious like i was just thinking about this now as we were talking about what what do you think happens in denver then are they just like totally bottoming out and not even trying to get a quarterback like they're not going to at least not draft a high end uh, prospect because they're, you know, they're middle of the pack right now. Uh, I think they still technically have a playoff shot if like a 10 different things happen or something like that. Um, so I'm just curious what you guys think might, might be going on in Denver. Are, are we in the, uh, the Jarrett Stidham era next year or, or are they trying to get a cousins or, or somebody else out there that, that might be available? God, I hope not. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I mean, give me Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it, anything else, any other journeyman that could just keep a hand on the wheel until they develop a younger player. We're seeing mid-round quarterbacks get starting opportunities. And so it's not like they have to spend a first-round pick to get a capable quarterback in the room. And so I'd love to see them get a journeyman and just develop somebody because 
the rest of the team really isn't that bad. There are enough pieces there to be a playoff contender. Yeah, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. There could there could potentially be six in the top fifty, which um, I don't know if they have their first and their second round pick. But if so, that's two shots right there at one. If they like somebody in the mid first or even in the mid second, um, there's a couple of you know maybe they're not ready to start right away. But you know uh, a Jaden Daniels type, a JJ McCarthy type, if they were to come out like th- those guys that could come in, maybe bridge for half a season um you know whatever uh you know michael Penix. um yeah there's a lot of guys man so i just think there's so many guys this year that are not going to be top 10 guys that are going to go to teams that could use them right away and as we're seeing with the uh, craziness this year at quarterback you know those guys can be ready to start at any time so i think the nfl will put a premium more so like the eagles have been doing for years is is always drafting a quarterback and having somebody to develop right I think the league is going to, I don't know why they haven't, but they're, they're going to have to take notice at this point there because they're really out of options. And I did look it up. Um, The Broncos have currently the 14th pick in the first that they do have their own pick traded their uh, second for uh, Peyton. So, um, Ah, okay. (laughs) So they do not have that, but then they do have, um, the rest of their picks, it looks like up until like the six. So, um, so they, so, they could trade up from a third to a, a mid second or late second, you know, if there was a guy that fell to that point, whatever. Um, and, and I don't really know this QB class that well, but I mean, there certainly could be somebody that's in the 14 15 range, depending on where they finish. I mean, it's not like quarterbacks only go in the top uh, three picks or whatever. So, oh no, uh, there's likely to be more quarterbacks between like 10 and 50 than top five. Yeah, know, top ten. So, so, yeah, yeah, they could take one at fourteen, trade back, and take one later, something like that too. So, um, so yeah, that's not a bad point. They might end up with a rookie there, just not you know one of those, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever. So, uh, but speaking of quarterbacks and draft picks, nice segue there, Rocky. Uh, <laughs> we were uh, Frank. One of the other things Frank little mentioned on his little news update for me is is the updated draft order and how Chicago. Uh, clinched the top pick in the draft this year, thanks to having Carolina's pick. Um, but they also have Justin Fields. So uh, I definitely wanted, with Sidlo on tonight, I definitely wanted to talk about this because that that's an interesting situation to me. I'm curious what you think they will do and what you think they should do. <laughs> Those could be two completely different things, knowing yes. how inept this organization is. Um, quick question for you guys. Is David Tepper the new worst owner in the NFL, if not all of sports? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and a special thank you to Mr. Tepper for that first pick. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're going to have a tough decision to make. I guess it's going to come down to right now. Uh, you know, what we're hearing is that that polls and Eberflus are staying. Uh, the defense has made some strides. So that's, you know, that's key for Eberflus. You know, if he keeps the locker room, if they, you know, the players keep playing for him, it's pretty likely he's going to stay, you know, whether we agree with that or not. Um, I understand the reset, the, you know, rookie contract type thing. Uh, you know, Fields is going to have year four plus a fifth year guaranteed. So he'll be a, he'll be a value um, at those two, regardless of what you think of him, but that's only two years. So you can get Caleb Williams for, for four and then a fifth. Right. 
Um, I, I'm not so sure he's the elite prospect. I mean, I don't know, man. This is another Lincoln Riley offense. Like these guys can't even win games in the Pac-12 or whatever they call themselves now. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know their defense is bad, but I don't know. Caleb Williams hasn't been like, yeah, he has all the all the thing, you know, I remember when Matt Stafford was the first pick and I was like, are you kidding me? Um, you know, and Matt Ryan being a top pick and I watched him in college and I was like, this guy sucks. Like, I don't, you know, like I understand it's, it's about intangibles and traits and all that. And Caleb Williams certainly has all those, but he's already talking about not wanting to play for teams and some of these things coming up. And I mean, that doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? Like you don't hear that every year for any prospect really. So it's gotta be coming from somewhere. Um, and then just seeing some of these guys like Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, just these can't miss number one generational type prospects. And, you know, I, I almost think sometimes it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't. Uh, I'd probably rather they keep fields and build around him because he hasn't had the support that a lot of these other young quarterbacks have had. And yet he's making plays and he's making things happen. So you got to give him credit for that. And I, I think most likely what happens is that they they stick with fields and they do some sort of trade down, whatever. The problem is that if they trade down, they can't go all the way back to nine like they did last year because they're going to want like a Marvin Harrison or one of these elite pass rushers and they're not going to get them past, you know, two, three, four. So it'll be interesting. Um, Poles is a good GM. I think, except for the two stupid second round picks that he traded for worthless players. Uh, but I mean, we all make shitty trades, right? So uh, <laughs> I guess if those are the two worst things and everything else he's done has been really good overall, uh, then you kind of got to trust in him and and see what the plan is. But I, I would be a little concerned about them developing Caleb Williams or any other quarterback with, you know, the current OC who has no experience doing anything ever. <laughs> Um, and just their track record as an organization. So you think they should uh, keep fields? Is that what you think they would? I, I, I don't know if you said yes. they, that we think they will do. Yes. So you think they trade the pick then? I do. Okay. Yeah. Frank had, uh, Frank had kind of was mentioning this in the chat when he sent me this. He was throwing out a, th- a thing in there. Maybe they trade it to New England and take Harrison at three. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. That would be <laughs> perfect. Um, and yeah, Frank also says, you know, if Getsy stays at OC and I just, I just, I don't get it. I never understood the hire in the first place. The guy's never done anything. He has zero track record. And I know you don't want to just keep retreading these guys that, you know, fail and whatever, you know, Josh McDaniels, I don't want Josh McDaniels, you know, um, but, or anyone like that, but it just, it doesn't make sense to have a guy that has never done anything just come in and, and have to, groom one of these young quarterbacks and run a whole offense if you've literally never you've never game planned an offense you've never run an offense you've never called plays you've never done it why why is he running your offense it makes no sense um so that to me that's a bears thing that's typical bears you know having grown up with that for 40 years but uh you know yeah there's a lot of directions we can go and it'll be interesting and i'm kind of looking forward to it yeah, I hope I hope you're right that it uh, that that they do stick with Fields and and trade the pick. Uh, I I would love that. They I think they do need that one more weapon. Komet has showed a little this year. DJ Moore is DJ Moore, um, and Fields. I I love Fields since he came out, and 
you know, he, he's shown a lot of flashes. And I think they just, yeah, if they can give him more time and more weapons, I, I think we could see a lot of good there. So, uh, Tommy, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, I guess, Fields going forward, especially if Scott's right? Are you uh, still all in on Fields? Or where you where, where are you at with him? Where are you at with him coming into the season and where are you at with him now? Yeah, I've never really been a believer in Justin Fields really coming into the NFL. Um, I preferred other prospects in that draft. And then his value shot so high that there were better arbitrage opportunities to veteran quarterbacks if you wanted to get off of fields. And so that's what I've done really anywhere that I've either adopted an orphan or drafted Justin Fields. I've just, I've moved away from him because from a dynasty perspective, there have been better bets or likelier outcome bets. Um, From an NFL standpoint, I just, I haven't seen enough development from fields as a passer to feel super optimistic. And so I'm hoping that he moves on, uh, gets a different uh, opportunity. And we try out Caleb Williams with DJ Moore so that we can understand whether or not this franchise can ever develop a quarterback. It's been 30 years of mediocrity at the position, to be honest with you. And maybe it's just an ownership issue. Maybe it's something where they're terrible at developing really good talent. (laughs) Hey, J. Mike, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i i'm not super optimistic for the long-term viability of justin fields whether he's in chicago or elsewhere i i do see a similar situation in houston though right so dumpster fire organization mediocre weapons we're not really sure about the long-term outlook of that franchise ownership just sucks but cj stroud walks in and all of a sudden we have a competitive Roster. Yeah, they may make the playoffs this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're throwing, you know, a really strong bid at the playoffs right now, much to my dismay because I'm a Jaguars fan. And I thought we had this division sewn up four weeks ago. And look at us now, like we're in hot water and it's very much due to CJ Stroud and what he's done to elevate that entire franchise. I, I'm willing to see a higher, um, higher risk, higher possible outcome draft pick in Caleb Williams in Chicago, because I think that that's what wins Super Bowls, not building up around a player and seeing how good you can get them. A lot of these very elite quarterbacks, they have it or they don't. Okay. So I, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm kind of a fields guy, but we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, Got some other last thing on fields. I'll say that I've been getting a lot of, uh, he's actually one of my most rostered quarterbacks now, even though I never drafted a single rookie share because I didn't like him at all, <laughs> but I've been able to get him so cheap. So it's like, okay, cool. Um, I've been getting a ton of low ball offers for him and it just makes no sense to me. Either he's going to stay where he is, have continuity and get better weapons around him, or he's going to go to a most likely better situation. I, I only see his arrow up from here. So I'm not sure why anybody would be selling cheap. I don't, yeah, Russ, not Russ like he's not going to start next year. Exactly. I was just going to say, Russ and I have talked about this, and if, if the Bears do draft Caleb Williams, he's feels as a starting quarterback somewhere. The, the state of quarterbacking in this league is exactly is such that somebody is going to uh, trade for him and start him. So, um, but Scott, I know uh, I was going to mention for years, Russ would have a section of the show called the main event, and we we took it off because we never ever used it. But you had something you wanted to talk about that wasn't a trade, wasn't a listener question. So uh, we'll call that the main event, and we'll let you talk about it right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't 
I mean, we don't need to get crazy with it, but I just, I think it's kind of funny that this has been happening for years, but all of a sudden this year, everybody decided they were offended by it. Um, so people just kind of, there's a handful of people we were talking about before the show. We were in X amount of leagues, you know, we made the playoffs in so many, we made how many championships, whatever. Right. And like, this is something we track and we keep track of. It's our passion. It's our hobby. It's what we do. Like we keep track of it. Um, there are a handful of people that for years have posted that, you know, after the season or in the playoffs, I made this many, you know, playoffs, this many semis, this many champs, this is my ROI, whatever. Um, you know, I don't, it's been happening for years. And, and like, sometimes I, I do want to see that from people. If I'm listening to their, um, it's not so much that like, oh, you know, this guy, he's so good. Uh, you know, he wins so many championships or whatever. It's just that if you're if you're constantly out here doing podcasts, doing uh, writing, whatever it is that you're doing, content creation in general, and you're you're preaching strategies and processes and whatever. I want to know that you actually put those into play. And it's not so much to say like, OK, success is one thing. It's good. Right. Oh, this is a, success, a successful way to play. That's great. Um, but it's more of being a master of your craft. Like if you don't actually practice what you preach, you cannot master it. It's just not possible. So if you're a film guy and that's what you do and you watch and you analyze players and you give, you know, player advice. Cool. That's fine. I don't need to see your stats. I don't, I don't necessarily care. You know, if you have a model, whatever, this is something you fall back on again, you have the model. So stats are great. You want to post them. Cool. It's all good. I don't necessarily need them. For me, I, I don't do any of that. I don't have a model. I don't have something tangible to show you. So what I can show you is here's what I'm doing. Here's how it's worked out. And here's what we can learn from it. And so that's basically what I wanted to get across on this, this whole you know, thing. That's not even a thing, but people are making it a thing. Um, for whatever reason, it's not, I, nobody cares about your ROI. I get that. I, that's fine. Um, and, and yeah, it's not a business. I agree. It's still a hobby because you're right. It is $2 an hour. If at best, if you add up all your hours into it, I, again, hundred percent understand that. Um, it's just more about mastering your craft, learning from it and understanding where, you know, where are your weaknesses? Where are your strengths? What can you get better at? Where can you spend your time? Um, I want to bring up Adam Harstad because he's a guy that I have listened to and followed for like 10 years. And I was actually shocked to find out that he basically doesn't even, you know, he's in like a couple home leagues. Like he doesn't play. He's not in 40 leagues. I don't care. It doesn't change anything. Adam brings great content. It change, It does not change my opinion of him at all in any way whatsoever because that's not why I follow him. I don't necessarily care that I was surprised to learn that because most of us are kind of junkies or addicts. Right. But it's, it's not the be all end all of it. It doesn't change anything for me. I'm still going to listen to him. I'm still going to read his content. I'm, uh, it's, I'm still a fan. I still respect the hell out of him. And you know, he explained for him, it's just not fun to be in that many leagues. Awesome. I love it. Do what you want to do. Do what's fun for you. What's fun for me is doing the portfolio approach. And so with those guys, with those people, I get asked all the time about it. How many playoffs did you make? How many championships did you make? Which you know leagues did you do this strategy? How did it turn out? So guess what? We're just going to talk about it. That's how it is. If you don't want any part of that conversation, 
it's cool. You can just move on with your life. It's totally fine. It's really okay. You know, just play how you want to play. Uh, and so that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. Um, Tommy, I'd love to hear your thoughts from that standpoint. Yeah. So I work, I used to work in governmental spaces and now I work for a financial institution. And what I have to do as someone who manages millions of dollars is I have to put on a suit and a tie once a year and I have to stand in front of some board of directors and I have to report what I did over the previous year, how much I spent, how much it saved our ROI. And it's just a procedural thing. It's not like I'm waiting all year to present this information to them or that they're waited with bated breath for the information I'm going to provide. It's, it's a TPS report, you know, to quote <laughs> the office, like it's just another thing. And so I was also stunned at the reaction just through the Twitter verse, because like, it was almost like picking a partner. It was like, no, he or she should be tall. No, short. They should have brown hair. No, blonde hair. And it's like, guys, we're just fantasy analysts. A, most of us don't make any money at all, zero dollars. Some of us, when we do make money, it's really nominal, like for the time that we put in. We are giving advice because we care about creating a culture. We care about providing edges to our listeners. We're just like passionate about this topic. It's our niche little subject. And it's something that we love to think about. And when we think about something, we want to share our ideas. Part of it is like benchmarking against how much we spent, how much we made, and like figuring out what we can do towards next year. And so I think you said it really well, Scott. It's just like, it's just another thing that people have an opportunity to get upset about or to have an opinion about. And that's okay. Like that is also part of the expression of being in this space. I don't have a super strong opinion because I don't think it's all that interesting. Like the, the ROI conversation. I don't think it's, it's all that meaningful. I'm, and I'm kind of with Tommy. I mean, I'm, I'm basically indifferent to it. It's, it, it you know, it's nice to see. I, I, it's interesting to look at, but I don't, I don't get all worked up about it. Like it is what it is. Like, like, like you both basically said, uh, and I do, I mean, I do like that. I mean, a lot of the reason people do it is they're trying to hold themselves accountable too. Uh, yep. and I do appreciate that. So I have zero problem with it whatsoever. And the people that get worked up over it make absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. And if you're going to do something totally different, if you're going to propose a different strategy than what the mainstream is saying, good on you, um, because that is something the space really needs and deserves. But if you're going to propose something that is wildly different, you should probably put out your numbers. Because if it's not working, I think your listeners should know. Yeah, completely agree. It, it holds yeah. more weight for certain people than it does for others. So yeah. that's, that's just how I would end that. And, uh, and with that, we can move on <laughs> yeah no problem um interesting talk though but uh so tommy with the with this point we always ask the guests do you want to do listener questions first or trades first we have some awesome listener questions i think we should start there if that's okay yeah sure we'll get into the listener questions uh our first one is from a regular uh uh questioner to the show and and follower of the show and guest on the show who we love here uh her at herms nfl says a potentially fun thing making some predictions for the new year like by the end of 2024 blank will be a top 10 dynasty wide receiver and he says or whatever other position you might want to do <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> or by the end of 2024 you won't be able to get a first for blank so uh 
I did not put any thought into this before I read this question. So if you guys have anyone while I think about it, I, I'm, I'm very happy to let either of you go first. Okay, Tommy, Tommy, what, what do you got? I've been thinking a lot about the tight end position. Um, I think it's a really fascinating position. It's different than it's been over the past few years. And so I just want to talk about that for a minute. Um, there's been an old guard, right? Travis Kelsey has really locked down the position for the better part of a decade. Mark Andrews has been the closest thing to a Kelsey profile. Um, George Kittle on a points per game basis is right up there as well. Um, however, he's been inconsistent in terms of injuries and it's just been a weird ride with him. Um, excellent blocker, also excellent pass catcher. That's kind of gotten in the way for him. But then we had this wave of young, sexy tight ends, right? And there's the narrative that, well, rookie tight ends, they don't perform when they're rookies, you have to wait a year to see, you know, what they're going to give you or two years, maybe even three years a la Kyle Pitts. But a lot of these rookie tight ends did really well. And so it's created a depth at the position that really we haven't seen in a long time. I want to capitalize on this by getting out on the young tight ends. Um, I've heard it preached on all sorts of different podcasts, trade addicts as well that you should play in a two to three year window, right? Mm -hmm. The tight end position is one of longevity. If you love Dalton Kincaid and you trade him away tomorrow, that is not the last time that you can ever roster Dalton Kincaid in maybe a different league or the same league. Because if he is good, let's say he is one of those upper crust tight ends, you can circle back in five or six years when whoever has him is sick of him, right? When players hit 28, 29 years old, we're entirely over rostering them because we're afraid of a cliff, of a value cliff. And right now, there's a really good opportunity in my mind to buy into a Mark Andrews, a George Kittle, and if he comes back next year, a Travis Kelsey, and ride these veteran tight ends for a year or two. And then as the tight end position starts to filter out between the true elites and the pretenders, then you can buy back in at the premium cost where you're minimizing your risk because all of these rookie tight ends are unlikely to hit. Even though it's promising right now, even though we think we've got good tight ends, you rostering these very young guys at very peak values is kind of a dangerous game when you can get the same production out of a George Kittle. And so what I'm going to be doing this offseason is slowly trading away some of those younger tight ends and moving into older profiles and getting a pretty big adder on top. So the, excuse me, Laporta is basically the tight end one. He's a guy you'd be looking to move off of. I love him so much. He's the <laughs> toughest one. <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, but I would. Yes, I would. Yep. If if the price was good enough, I would move off of him. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't hate that at all. Actually, it's it's. Uh, uh, kind of similar you know to i like to trade down a quarterback and, and laporta is valued so highly right now i think um yeah i mean he's multiple first type of guy and like you said you could you could probably like uh a kittle uh it is not going to be as maybe consistent as laporta but it's definitely going to give you those boom weeks and you i think you can get a significant add-on from kittle uh if you come down from Laporta, but but scott what, what do you think of that and do you have any other uh, uh predictions you want to throw or ideas you want to throw out there yeah so um this isn't the exactly what herms asked but what it made me think of was an old john hoag segment uh next week this week um <laughs> or even next year this year right uh so 
what it made it made me specifically think of one of the trends that i found in my most successful leagues uh the most how, how do i say this okay this is actually almost perfect that tommy talked about tight ends the most value i gained across my portfolio from this time last year to right now is at the tight end position i and over the last three years as well it wasn't quarterbacks it wasn't you know finding a justin jefferson or a puka nakua or something like that certainly that adds a ton of value but it was hammering cole Komet, trey mcbride dalton kincaid sam laporta just hammering these guys getting tons and tons of shares um i have a league where i have kelsey andrews and ingram and also added laporta uh, in trade addict scoring, that's four of your top five at the position, uh, 17 points or above per week. There were only five running backs and 11 wide receivers that hit that average per week mark. So by starting all three and four, even though the, the statistics will say, if you look at, uh, you know, dine, um, I forget what the, the site is that Scott Connor likes to use. You plug it in, you find your, uh, warp. So, it will tell you flexing a tight end is not the way to go. But for me personally, it has worked amazingly well. My most successful teams, my winningest teams, my championships came from leagues where I had at least two top five tight ends. Um, it maybe seems obvious, right? If you just look at the points, uh, maybe it doesn't. But uh, that's it's kind of exactly where I was going with uh, what Tommy said is my my initial thought was what I'm seeing personally with my portfolio and my approach and my value is that the tight end position is going to have this this just total takeover in the next, you know, two to three years uh, changing of the guard. I think you said. Right. And just kind of uh, we're already seeing the new guys like that's obvious. But I think it's going to just continue even more. And we're going to have a lot of these guys. You look at the college game, Brock Bowers coming in. That guy's not a tight end. I don't think he's played tight end at all at Georgia, but he's a tight end, right? Uh, and, and we're seeing a lot of guys like that. The Bills use a first round pick on Kincaid. Uh, how many other guys went high and are being used right away as wide receivers, whether they can block or not? You know, the old adage would have been take Michael Mayer. He gets on the field. He, he can block, right? He'll be on the field more. I guess it doesn't matter, right? Like not not in this day and age uh, with some of these offenses. So I think we are going to see more tight ends produce quicker, increase value sooner, and uh, change our our you know our roster ship, our portfolios, our values quicker, giving you the opportunity, like Tommy said, to be able to you know trade some of those guys and, and trade from strength and fill your weaknesses. I don't disagree with anything you guys said. You guys covered that whole tight end position very well. So I'm not, I don't really think I have too much to add. I, I, I like that though. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I, I kind of thought just more linear to what uh, Merms put in here um, and uh, was kind of looking at, at the second statement there. And I don't know if this is, 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 I, I don't think it's too bold, but, but is by the end of the 24, you won't even be able to get a first four. And uh, one guy I was looking at, and this is a guy we talked about him on Junkies. Um, we were doing ADP type thing and, and who guys might fall, who might rise. And I mentioned him then. And I, I think it's going to be the case. It's uh, Drake London. Uh, we were, we, I think, I think it was before the show, we were talking some about, or, or maybe it was even in the show. I can't remember Arthur Smith. 
And I don't think Arthur Smith's getting fired. Uh, they're they're in the middle of the pack. I think they may even still have a a, a chance at a playoff spot. I'm not I'm not sure what the all the scenarios. They are. could either go from like the eighth pick to like division winner or something like that. Like those <laughs> yeah. are their it's wild outcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he still did just enough to not get himself fired. If he does, then 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 all bets are off. But uh, if he's there again, I just have a hard time believing that we're ever going to see this change until he's gone like he wins enough enough and this is the way he wants to win is by not throwing the ball a ton also it's a lot could change too if they get a cousins if they get a kyler if they get something like that that's a big part of this too is the quarterback situation so uh but if they're not able to get one of those type of guys i don't expect even if they get a mid-round ish rookie uh, I don't expect that guy to come in and be amazing off the bat either. So, and I was looking, you know, I was like to look where, where they finished for the season. Drake London points per game, wide receiver 45, uh, 11.2 points a game. Guys ahead of him, Romeo Dobbs, Rashid Shahid, Kendrick Bourne. Um, so it's wow. like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if he can have another year of that or close to that, like, are you paying a three years into his career? Are you paying a first for that? I, I don't know. So I was trying to think of a guy that, that, that would be a little, maybe a little surprising that uh, to Herm's statement, I, you in a year, you won't be paying a first for this guy. So Tommy, what, what do you think of, think of that uh, statement there? No, I love it. I think that's a, a really good one. I'm, I'm personally a believer in London, but I see your point there. And if you are looking to arbitrage off of Drake London, a couple of guys that, I think would be really good fits are Michael Pittman. Um, He's really done wide receiver one things the past two years. When you look at all of the underlying metrics, Um, if you're looking just at yards per route run, um, a minimum route threshold of 70% and um, a reasonable first read target share, Terry McLaurin and Jerry Judy, both were way outperforming their production this year. I don't have any Jerry Judy in my portfolio and I have very minimal Terry McLaurin. Those are targets that I have this off season because they are showing that they're better football players than their fantasy production has really indicated the past year. And so if I have an asset like a Drake London and I'm trying to move away, that's the type of um, tier that I'm trying to jump into. If I, if I do truly want to move off of him. Scott, any, uh, any thoughts on Drake London there before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I like Drake London uh, coming out of college. And I think I was just looking at my roster ship. I'm actually, I got, I have six shares of him. So uh, pretty on par there with most of the top guys, I suppose, in my portfolio. Um, So yeah, I did try to trade for him uh, in quite a few leagues this year. I was not able to get him for the price I thought he should go for. So I guess what you're what you're saying is is um, maybe bold, but not like, but very realistic, mm-hmm. right? Like you know what I mean. Like I'm not saying it's bold. I'm saying it's like it's kind of bold based on where we're at now, but it's very realistic based on the argument you made. So yes, I, I agree with you. Okay, and we'll move, we'll move on to the next one. These next two are uh, got some similarities to them, but uh, we'll start with at Dynasty Beach Boy. 
Are, are there proper steps you can take to remove people from your league that aren't active enough? In the heat of the season, week uh, week or two before the playoffs, no response or very little response. It just takes the fun out of it. Just want to create a fun league. Uh, Scott, I feel like you, you commission a few leagues, right? Yeah. Um, I, ha- I have a pretty decent answer for this, I think. Uh, I was actually just talking about this with another commission earlier this earlier today. Um, one of the things that John I learned from our friend John Bosch is that he will start posting messages like week 15. Uh, you know, like, let me know if you're in next year or if you're out. Either way, just let me know, you know, and like January 15th. Make your pay. You got to yes. do your buy-in. Make your buy-in. You know, do your buy-in. Do it or you're out. You know, yep. like it's very, <laughs> it's very like, you know, and, and I, I actually love that just from the standpoint of like, I mean, you're, you're having to physically make an, uh, an active commitment by doing your buy-in. Right. So if you do that, there's a really good chance you're going to be active. You're going to be involved. You're going to be thinking about it. Um, and then if you're out, you're out. Cool. And we can just, dispersals and whatnot right fine um so i think doing it a little bit sooner uh than just saying like a week before we tend to draft every year hey let's collect payments and see how it goes you know um which which works fine in most leagues uh because you have guys like me in most leagues that are like yeah i'm gonna draft dude like let's get paid let's go um but if you want to make a better commitment if you want to uh you know get people actively involved now or at least figure out who you need to get rid of i would make the deadline now february 1 february 15 uh you know make it sooner than later like don't even just you gotta commit you gotta be in or or don't um i have one league this year where uh someone didn't set their lineups like the last three weeks of the season and like you get one warning if you're not gonna pay any attention i'm not your mom so you're 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 out. I'm just I'm removing that person. It's done. The season's over. I remove them. Uh, I you don't you don't need to if they're not setting lineups, just remove them. You they're. I promise you, this person won't even notice. It'll probably be like March, and they'll be like, "Oh, wasn't I in another league?" They probably you know won't even know. I I'm I can almost promise you that. So if they're not involved enough to be setting lineups, they don't care. It's not a priority for them. And if that's not the type of people you want in your league, you you are free to move on as the commissioner. As long as you put that uh, that last little line in your uh, commissioner in your bylaws, you know that commissioner will uh, make moves at their discretion, you know, for the good of the league or whatever. However, people word it, uh, you know, I think most people will will agree with you unless there's some sort of um, you know extenuating circumstance. I, I agree with uh, a lot of what you said there, I, and it was some of the stuff that I was thinking of when I saw this question. Uh, I do commission, I think, eight leagues myself, uh, and I will say too, yeah, if you're not setting lineups uh, in season, I do think you should at least talk to them, or at least to make an attempt to talk to them first. At least you just remove them. Yeah, um, I just wanted to throw. That in the, I mean, I assume that you were thinking the same thing, but it wasn't explicitly stated. So I just wanted to say before you just you remove them, make you sure one. you stay at least once. Yeah, and I do like the idea. And I'm in a in a Bosch league. He actually, I'm in the DTC uh, podcast listener league. He runs that now, 
And yeah, he is very much pay January 17th or you're out. Um, so I like that though. And I would say that even then though, too, like if, if maybe they were setting lineups, but they weren't responding to trade offers or things like that. And you, you've noticed it as commission or someone's pointed it out to you again, I would just say, you know, even if they pay, it's just like, you know, people, you know, you weren't, you weren't really responding to trade offers. Uh, people were talking to me about it a little bit, just, uh, you know, I'll take your buy-in again this year, but please make sure um, you are doing that this year. I'm giving you a warning now. M- maybe even say if it happens again this year and you're not responding, we might have to, you know, you know, rethink this and, and, and maybe bring somebody else into the league or something like that. So I would just add that little talking piece in there. But everything else, I, as Scott said, I pretty much agree with. So, um, Tommy, do you, I, I don't know if you commission any leagues or not, but uh, even if you don't, uh, just as a, as a as a manager, what, what are your thoughts on this? Not a, not a commissioner, but I do play in quite a few leagues. I, I would ask this person, do you want to be in the league? Is this a league where there's one manager who's absent or are there five and this isn't a fun league? And maybe maybe you should leave. Um, find, find a league with folks who are going to be engaged and active, but let's just say it is one or two managers who are not really logging in that often and they're not responding to requests. They're not doing waivers, whatever. Um, are, are you personally getting to know these other managers? If you really care about the long-term viability of this league, do you know what their favorite football team is? You know, if, if it's the Cowboys and CD lamb goes nuts, regardless of whether or not, either of you rosters CD Lamb, you can talk about him in the Discord or the chat or whatever format y'all use. You can try to foster better relationships with the other managers because maybe the absent manager is close with one of the other managers and you just need to create a better community. Um, maybe you need to just follow up more. Um, J Mike is in the chat right now. He just checks in on TA6 like once every couple of weeks and says, Hey guys, how's it going? Everybody hey, doing okay? Pictures, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I personally love it. And I am more willing to deal with him because of that. It works on me. <laughs> <laughs> so like look inward, it's the beginning of 2024. I'm going to wax poetic for a second. Like explore yourself as a dynasty manager. There are many of us who just want cold offers. Yes. No, no comments. We're moving on to the next deal. Like, I, I play more that way. I could improve my social game. And that's something that maybe I should work on this year, especially if I have a manager that I'm trying to uh, welcome back into the league if they've been a little absent. I think that's a great point about the community thing. Uh, we have um, a couple of junkies listener leagues and uh, junkies too, especially is like, everyone's always taught like year round people are talking in that chat. And I think it keeps everyone more engaged in the whole league. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the one that I now go to the most when I have like a trade question myself, I'll throw it in that chat. Cause you know, you're definitely getting a couple, uh, responses from, from, from some smart people. So I like that a lot. Um, this next one comes from some guy at dynasty outhouse. And I don't know who this bum is, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, he also said, because I, Russ always likes to throw in a random question at, at the end of the, the listener question tweet. So I asked what your new year's resolution is. And he's the only one that answered. And his was my new year's resolution is to not miss a single trade addicts episode. 
Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he said, what are your thoughts on leaving leagues? Which we kind of talked about, I think. Um, well, I mean, it's a little different. We're talking about kicking a guy out of the league, but leaving leagues. I guess we can talk about that. I, I think basically we're probably going to have the same answer. Nobody – I, I think we say this like at least once a year on, on, on one podcast or another. It's most commissions do not care if you leave the league. They just want to know and they don't care why and they don't care that you leave. They just want to know early and get a new person to replace you for the most part. If you're not having fun or you have you having financial issues, whatever it is, everyone understands. I don't think it's a big deal leaving leagues. Do you guys have any anything to add to that? Yep. Um, okay, Tommy, Tommy go ahead. Yeah. I don't care about the leaving leagues thing. I think the second chance dispersal comment was really interesting to oh, me. Yeah, I was going to get that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, no, no. That was it. Unless Scott is talking about leaving leagues for good. Well, I'm just going right. to say that it was it was uh, Mr. Russ Fisher um, himself who taught me like it's it's okay to just leave a league like it's fine because it's probably better for the league anyway. If you were considering leaving for whatever reason, you don't need a reason. You don't have to explain it. It's okay. Just you yeah. can leave. And actually, the sooner the better. Like, please do let us know. As commissioners, we do appreciate if you're thinking about maybe not coming back, you know, what? just it's cool. Like, it, it makes it easier for us to just know. So I do, I do appreciate that. And I'll just be honest with you. Like, listen, if people aren't, if, <clears throat> if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. Like, that's how life works. Like, no matter what's going on in your life, like, if you, if it's important to you, you'll make time for it. And if you're just, if you're not setting lineups, if you're just not into it, you're probably not made out for Dynasty or maybe that particular league that Beach Boy was talking about. So I have some leagues that are a little more hardcore than others, right? Like, we all do. Um, maybe Dynasty is just not your thing, or maybe just maybe try a free league, or maybe try something where people aren't putting a lot of money and a lot of time and effort and hours into something just to be screwed by somebody, you know, not setting a lineup or an entire team that you can't access their players because they refuse to trade or whatever. So it's better if you just move on and it will make the whole league better. Everybody wins. It's, it's a good thing. And on to dispersals, Tommy, go ahead and start with that. Totally. Um, there's two reasons to join a league, in my opinion. One, the people. The reason I wanted to join TA6 was not because of the terrible team, which was truly terrible. It's because the other 11 managers were awesome. I really liked the people. I wanted to get to know them better. I wanted to get under the hood a little bit and see how they operated as dynasty managers. And so like, I joined TA6 for the human experience. And it's been awesome. I've been playing for a year with y'all and it's been great. The other reason is the dynasty assets, the players on the roster. I am not a fan of automatically doing dispersal drafts if you have more than one orphan team, because I'm joining because I like having Patrick Mahomes and Mark Andrews, let's say, and I saw that those are the only two assets on the team and so I'm going to work like hell to build up the rest of the roster around those two core players. If I go into a dispersal draft and those are the best two assets, I lose one of them automatically. And so it hurts me from a roster build standpoint. It hurts me from really what I was intending on accomplishing coming into the league. And so I feel a little salty sometimes when there's a dispersal draft um, or one that I don't have a choice to opt out of. And so I would recommend to any commissioner, like, 
just slow down a little bit on that concept. I get that it's exciting and it reshuffles the deck a little bit and creates a little bit more parody. But sometimes a person who is engaging and tries to be fun and like active, they want certain assets and those are already on the roster. Just let them have them. I, I am with you on this, especially specifically with second. I, I agree kind of from, from just the dispersal for or multiple orphans uh, uh, thing, but second chance dispersals, I'm kind of against. I don't like, like to me, Dynasty is all about, and then, by the way, this is coming from someone who actually entered a second chance dispersal in TA4 with a pretty shitty team. And I won the league this year. So just keep that in mind as uh, it was like the best dispersal I've ever done. But uh, I went all in and there were two other guys on winning and the other guys all won for future assets. And they gave me pretty much every good win now asset that you could have from that dispersal and ended up working out. But uh, I just don't I don't think that should happen is basically why I don't like them like. Dynasty is about you know long term and building up your roster and having if you if you screw it up you got you got to take the time to fix it and I shouldn't have been given the chance to to reshuffle the deck and and get all these win now assets just from jumping into the draft because we hadn't worked it which is basically how it works in TA uh, so sorry Russ I, I I'm not a big fan of second chance dispersals because I don't think that's how Dynasty should work and maybe I'm old school by saying that but I, I think you should have to trade your way out of it. You should have to draft your way out of it, not dispersal your way out of it. So, Scott, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, no one's going to like my answer, but it's it's truly a case-by-case basis. I mean, <laughs> you can imagine in 49 leagues, uh, I see a lot of different things and a lot of different scenarios, and I can tell you where there were times where dispersal was the only way it was going to happen. Uh, and I could tell you there were times where I completely agree with you that you know, somebody came in, traded away all their, you know, young assets and, and, uh, you know, their youth and, and picks and went for the title, didn't get it and then quit and the team's trash, you know, and then it's, you know, well, that's not, that's not fair, I guess. Right. Like now that, now that team's just garbage. Um, so then do you say, well, it needs to go in a dispersal then, or do you say, well, somebody needs to come in and take this thing over, but what if you can't get anyone to take it over? I mean, I, I've seen every scenario you can possibly imagine, um, and I've, I've done it every way you can imagine. I've absolutely had a time where we had two orphans and I found two managers who wanted to be in the league. And I asked them, do you guys want to each pick a team? Here's, here are the teams. Do you want to do them or should we do a dispersal? It's up to you. And I left it up to the managers in that case for that league. I've also had other leagues where I said, guess what guys this is going to be a dispersal. It's just happening. It's the only way we can do this. Um, so it's really a case by case basis for me. And I, I don't, I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. I think it just depends on who you can find. Mostly it's, it's about who you find more than, uh, you know, cause like you said, Tommy, like if I can find you to come in and take over orphans, that would be great. I can't always find you for that. Right. It just depends on the, the, you know, sometimes the platform or the settings or whatever. Um, so for me, always going to be uh, league by league. I will say what I was saying was more. I do. I I prefer more just uh, managers taking over orphans, but I, I don't mind an orphan dispersal as much. What I was more referring to was if second um, chance. Yeah, and Russ, yeah, I, and Russ's I agree. leagues. I'm with you. 
yeah, that it, if it, if they do a dispersal, there's a chance for a dispersal once in, uh, uh, there is an orphan, and Russell has anybody in the league with it. Who's, you could have been in there for five years. If you want to jump into dispersal with them, it, you get to do the second chance. That's more is, what I was referring is to. Is there still a limit of one? You can only do it once? Once, I think, every other year. You or can't one, do it two oh, years in a row. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I mean, that helps a little bit. You can't just throw your team in every year, but, but uh, I, don't I, I agree. And I did it. I did it. I, I did it with my TA fourteen. But um, I still. But it's the rules. If I if the rules are there, I can take advantage of them. But it, it, I don't think they should be there. I don't. I'm not a fan of second chance dispersals. I did the orphan dispersals. I don't mind as much. And I agree with you. It's more on a case by case basis. I will be fine outlawing second chance dispersals entirely, regardless of case. So if you yeah. screwed it up, I don't think I've it. ever done one. So yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so our last question comes from uh, Joseph Fry at jfry80. Uh, with backup QBs winning fantasy football leagues and top-tier quarterbacks having down years or dropping left and right to injuries, does that change your strategy going forward, or is this just an outlier year? And I, I mentioned this to Tommy before the show started. I think this is much more of a question for Scott and Tommy because this kind of goes right in with my strategy. So I tend to not, you know, if anybody's listening for the first time ever, I tend to not pay up for quarterback. And uh, I, I have some leagues where I have top tier guys, but uh, I, I tend to roster a lot of backups. I tend to pay more for second tier guys and, uh, that, that that tended to work out better for me. Some of those guys dropped too. You know, I had a lot of Kirk Cousins that that, that didn't help this year. But uh, but yeah. So uh, Tommy, I'll you go first. What what are your thoughts on this question? I love the question. I think it's a great one, and it's perfect for the non point scoring season. So let's just get a couple ground rules, right? I think we had fifty eight starting quarterbacks this year, um, sixty three last year. So not a high water mark. I was but. just going to say, I, I a couple years ago, I did, I kind of did a little, not study, but kind of looked into the last couple years. And that, almost every year, there's 50 plus quarterbacks that start every year. Yeah, which is a lot. I mean, it's a great question because it gets you thinking about um, the A-warp concept, the adjusted wins over replacement um, at this position. So I just wanted to lay that out there. And then I want to very briefly state what my strategy generally is. That way we can talk about adjusting it. This season, I came in with a all elite quarterback strategy. So trying to punch through the keyhole and pick the top five quarterbacks for the 2023 season and roster all five. Most people roster two when they're choosing an elite quarterback strategy. Um, or if they're QB hoarding, they'll take quarterbacks up and down um, the quarterback rankings. I wanted to try to get the top five. And so I did this uh, coming into the season in one league, and I built into it in the other. And it worked to pretty good success, um, first and second place, pushed everyone else's points down um, and pushed my points up. It had a, a weird amplifier effect. Um, and so seeing this many quarterbacks starting um, over the last two years, you know, approximately 60 quarterbacks, that's a lot. Um, I was encouraged by it. I think it's going to cause other folks to roster more quarterbacks and leave running backs, uh, backup running backs uh, on the waiver wire. That's my anticipation coming into this non-point scoring season. I've heard folks like Scott Connor talk about this, where he wants to have about 40% of his roster allocated to the quarterback position. 
and not necessarily at the top, rostering a lot of backup quarterbacks, similar to uh, any running back on a 53 type strategy or philosophy. If that happens, I think that pushing to the very top of the position is going to be wildly beneficial to the listener. I think that having other people rostering more quarterbacks than they probably should for optimal roster construction is going to cause them to have really weird scenarios where they're holding too many threshold wide receivers, wide receivers who are in the 24 to 40 range in rankings on a given week. Um, We're still figuring out tight end because as we just talked about 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes or so ago, um, there's now more depth at the position. And so we need to figure out how many court, how many tight ends we need to roster there. And so it creates this muddled quarterback situation. And just by shooting to the top, you're guaranteeing yourself a reasonable points per game. And if you're able to flesh it out a little further and roster four or five of the top quarterbacks, you're going to force everyone else to act in ways that they're not used to. I did a study um, just a couple weeks ago where I looked at 100 different super flex leagues that were similar to the formats that I play, and literally nobody was rostering four of the top 12 quarterbacks. And so if you're able to be different, if you're able to push to the top of the quarterback position, you can leave a lot of these Jake Brownings who, yes, did well this year, but your opposing managers are going to have to predict those outcomes And they are still variable at the bottom of the quarterback position. And so I'm encouraged by what's happened this year. I think it's actually really exciting for QBXers and elite quarterback quarters. Okay, Scott, do you have anything you want to add there? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as a known quarterback quarter, um, (laughs) you know, in Rocky and uh, Tuck Mobile, I had like eight starters at the beginning of the season. And let me tell you, it did me absolutely no good. My team is terrible. Even in this year, (laughs) I was not able to make really any trades. It didn't do me any good. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think my strategy changes a lot. I'm still going to acquire those quarterbacks, you know, process over results, right? In most leagues, I was able to make some trades and make things happen. This one, it didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, But you know, even, even in a league like that, where I had so many starters, I had others where, you know, I had Kirk cousins and Baker Mayfield and cousins goes down and who knew Baker was going to lead me to a championship, you know? So it's just, there's so much luck to it that I think it's just about numbers, you know, throwing numbers at it. Let's kind of like what Tommy said about Scott Connor. Like if you're allocating a percentage of your roster towards it, um, I tend to do that as I build my teams and then I want to move my roster ship over to those running backs where I can find the, the clarified starts. But while I'm building rosters, I will absolutely have rosters where, you know, there's uh, I have some safe leagues rosters right now where I believe it's 28 is the max. It used to be 32 and they cut to 28. Um, and I have like 16 quarterbacks there. And, you know, so in, in some cases, I'm just going to do that to, to build up and, and trade off where I can and build my assets that way. But it's not going to work in every league and it's, it's not going to be the strategy for everybody. Um, I just think you have to you have to maybe add some more off the wire, find those leagues where you have the, the QB2, like almost every QB2 now has some value, whether it's to another manager, maybe not, but maybe even to yourself when you when you lose so many guys in the season 
Um, so I guess it just depends on your roster build and where you are. But I, it's always been a strategy for me to roster a lot of quarterbacks. So I don't think anything's going to change just because of this. Yeah, and I've never had an issue with rostering a bunch of quarterbacks. I just don't pay for the high-end guys. Um, so I'm with you there, Scott. I was curious, Tommy, um, when you were saying about rostering like four or five of the top quarterbacks, that's that's with the intention of holding them on your roster throughout the year, and you did do that? I did do that. Yes. <laughs> it's that's entirely intention. So I get that you're putting Lamar Jackson on your bench so that you can start Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. I get the whole conversation around that. However, what that does, it not only takes away um that opposing gargantuan force on other contenders, it amplifies Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts because what they're doing is not available to everybody else. And so you're, you're cutting out the middle. You're able to trade for a Joe Burrow when he gets hurt and take on a really strong adder at that point um, because your opponents are still stuck with at most one decent quarterback and maybe a Baker Mayfield type. They're in really tough situations when you hoard the top five quarterbacks. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting to me. Uh, um, you were only able to do some one or two leagues, you said? I only tried it in one or two. I'm going to okay. be doing it in about a dozen. This yeah. Year. yeah. I'll be, I'm very, I want to hear next year how that goes. If you're able to do it in like a dozen, yeah. uh, you said you finished first and second with it, doing that in those two teams. I scored 400 more points and 300 more points than the next team. Um, wow. And That's not crazy. only did that happen, but the bottom six teams just gave up. There, So I, I did a study, like I said, with 100 teams, and I was comparing my leagues to those 100 teams, and the average points per game just absolutely fell off a cliff at the seventh best team. They just, they all gave up because they knew that they couldn't compete at the very top. Okay, it's interesting. Uh, I like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm, we all know I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's, I, this doesn't really change much for me. Like I said, it kind of, it kind of rolls into what I generally do anyway. To me, uh, you know, I, I, I do tend to roster. I, I don't know that I have a like what you were saying, forty percent or whatever quarterback of uh, a ship on my roster, but uh, I do tend to roster some of the higher end backups at least. I'll. Uh, when I do hit the waiver wire, it'll often be for those, uh, you know, the uh, the guys that will pop up, the Jake Brownings and the, the, the Nick Mullins and the Josh Dobbs and all that, uh, when I have time to pay attention to the waiver wire. So, um, but yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Like I said, I, I still tend to be of the belief, you know, I'm looking at it, there's like, and three points a game is not nothing, but there's like three points a game between QB 20 and QB five in, in, in TA scoring. Um, so to me, that's not worth paying the humongous difference for um, that. You have to pay five is Lamar Jackson. Uh, 20 is Baker Mayfield. So, um, and Baker Mayfield's not necessarily dependable. Like I said, he's tied with Russell Wilson, who I would have expected, you know, the production we got this year from Russell Wilson. So, uh, I tend to target guys like a Russell Wilson that, that everybody knows. Everyone likes to joke. I like the old guys. Um, but it's because you can get decent enough production while paying a lot, 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 lot less. So, um, I just going to kind of tend to stick with that sometimes, um, 
you know, a Kirk Cousins will get hurt. But uh, if, if I have three, uh, and sometimes I will, I, I don't tend to do QBX, but sometimes I do end up with four of them. And if I do, if one goes down, I plug in another who's also going to give me about 19 points a game, and it doesn't do much. And I have my other, you know, my other 10, 11, 12 players uh, bolstering up that 19 point a game quarterback. Game quarterback, and that, that's just how I like to play. That's how I feel most comfortable. And and you've had success doing it your way. I've had success doing it my way. And uh, I'm just going to stick with it. So nothing changes much for me. <laughs> I think the, the key takeaway here is all three of us do it different, but none of it is necessarily the most adopted strategy. Just choose to be different. What, do something else because there's an advantage at the edges there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just, yeah. Um, okay, so... TA trades. We are on to our trades. Not a lot this week. Um, probably can run through these pretty fast. I think we only have five, and one of them I just threw on because we only had four. Um, so uh, uh, just a reminder, uh, TA Leagues, 12-team PPR Superflex, uh, 1.75 tight end premium uh, with .05 per return yard. Um, for all leagues except TA1, and we do have a TA1 trade. I'm going to get to that in a little bit because I think it's one of the more interesting ones. I want to save it for last. Uh, I'm actually going to go with uh, – kind of hop around a little bit instead of going in order because um, there's a couple more minor trades here. There's one I put on here, like I said. It was partially because we didn't have few, very few trades and more just a question I wanted to ask around this because it's not that interesting of a trade. But um, – it was obviously uh, for uh, a guy going for a title, um, I believe. Uh, 402 for Tyrod Taylor, which I think, or Tyrod, I think it is Taylor, uh, which I think probably any of us would do that we're going for a championship and we need a quarterback. What I wanted to ask is, where is the line? Like, are you paying 302 for Tyrod Taylor? Are you paying 202? nine for Toronto. Where's the, yeah, I don't think so either, but uh, Scott's giving me a no way. Uh, I'm just curious. Where's the line for that kind of guy where, when you're going for the title and, and you want to, you want to get those quarterback points and you think, and Toronto had a pretty decent week, not, not amazing, but uh, certainly, you know, QB two type week. Uh, so uh, Scott, since you were giving me some um, pretty, um, emotive uh, reactions there i'm curious uh, where's the line for you there like where's the line where you say no i'm not trading that for Teron taylor even if i think i need a quarterback for championship week so in a handful of leagues i found myself over the last few weeks saying i could add a quarterback here who could i add and what would it cost and what i mostly ended up doing was just sticking with who i had and uh in one case, it worked out. I had Flacco. In one case, I had Browning. And even though he put up points, I, I lost by so many. It, it didn't matter who I would have traded for, right? I could have traded for Lamar, and I still would have lost. Um, so I guess the thing for me is I don't really want to give up any sort of I, – I wouldn't even – I would go – way below difference maker any sort of asset at all i mean like a third round pick to me is has some value if I, I will give up any fourth for any quarterback for one spot start uh or any running back or any tight end or whatever i will i'm willing to give up a fourth for one start i think once i get past that point um 
I guess if you're talking about a championship, maybe I go to a third. If I absolutely have to give up a third, yeah, and it's I mean, going to be the 311 or the 312. Yeah. Okay, I, I think I could probably live with that if I don't have a fourth and I do that. Um, but if it's if basically if Terod's going to be cut, right? Like if my league has a cut down or I have my rookie draft or whatever, if he's just if this is one start, I don't want to pay anything more than the 311 or 312 if if that's all I have available. What do you think, Tommy? I mean, I get both sides. Here's the thing, though. If you're in championship week, this to me, I, I don't know these rosters, but it screams to me, I lost Russ Wilson and Trevor Lawrence in the same week, and I'm scrambling right now. Like, what is the minimum I can pay for a quarterback start? And I get that, but I would have been more inclined to pay in week three for this type of a deal um, than championship week. If I have any starting quarterbacks, I'm just filling the super flex with somebody else. I have a championship roster. I got there somehow. I am going to navigate this and just hold on to the fourth. It has no value. I, I value it at zero, but I value Tarod Taylor at zero as well for a one week start. If I'm in the early to middle part of the season and I can get that profile, that quarterback profile, with the potential opportunity to pull a Jake Browning where it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't have one start. I have four. And then I can trade him for a fourth in three weeks. Like that's when I'm buying this type of a quarterback championship week. Like you don't have any wide receiver or running back, or this is a pretty juiced tight end format. You don't, you don't have Logan Thomas you can throw in there. Yeah. It's funny because I well, two things are funny actually because I looked up what who the people were around this trade, and I understand it even less now. I thought I thought it was I just uh, wrote it down. We write it down without the teams on there. I thought it was somebody who was using a quarterback for title week, which I thought was the interesting question. This was actually uh, Terod Taylor was traded to a one in thirteen team, so I don't know what the hell was going on there, but <laughs> <laughs> by a guy who was in the third place game, by the way. Um, who had Taylor. Uh, so that was an interesting trade in itself. Uh, but in another league, um, which I ended up losing to Zach Reed by 2.6 points, TA11, uh, I actually thought about trading Russ uh, for Terod Taylor because I had Hurts and either Watson or Cousins. I can't remember. Or no, I think it was Wilson. I had Wilson there, and I lost him this week. Uh, I was in the title game against Zach. And I thought about trading for Terod, and I decided to just go with one quarterback. Uh, it almost worked. <laughs> I, I came up two and a half points short. Um, but I decided it wasn't worth it um, to, to, to try and trade for a guy like that. So uh, I, I want to bring up what J Mike said in the chat. Like, I'm not trading you any quarterback for your fourth in Superflex. And I completely agree with that. However, Terod Taylor is not going to be on my roster next year. So I don't care. I sold shares of Terod and Stidham and Nick Mullins and Aiden O'Connell and Easton stick. Like I, you can have those guys for a four. I think I sold probably six, seven shares of those type quarterbacks Browning. No, I'm not giving up Browning for a fourth because he's probably a backup there in Cincinnati for at least a couple of years. Right. Like based on what he's done. So no, I wouldn't, I would not give him up for a fourth. And I totally agree with that. Um, even a guy like Flacco, like he could definitely look what he did the last two years. He picked and choose a team. He came in and, and he produced. 
he could he could continue to do that i suppose so he could have some utility based on his age maybe i'd do it i guess it depends on the team uh, mason rudolph i you could give me a seventh round pick for him if our league only has five round picks like honestly i i do not care i would give him to you for a dollar fab um because he has no future value to me in any in any format so i guess it just depends on the player that's how i feel specifically about tarad but some of these other players, you know, a Minshew. Yeah, I would pay a second for Minshew, you know, like one of those guys. So I think it it, it probably just yeah, depends on the Yeah, he's a guy you're player. probably going to get starts at some point. Yeah, right. Too. He yeah. can be a high-end backup for, for years to come, right? Like it's He could be the new chance, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, <laughs> Minshew and uh, and now Jarrett Stidham. Basically, if, if one of those guys signs on your team, you're either getting hurt or cut. So watch out. <laughs> By the way, having nothing to do with fantasy, how wild is the Flacco story, by the way? Like, on a team there, Watson has been severely, severely disappointing. Flacco comes in and is basically, uh, maybe not lighting it up is a little too strong, but it's, it's just outproducing anything you would expect from Joe Flacco in, in the 2020s whatsoever. Uh, it's just been amazing to me. Uh it's like Nick Folzian or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Team old guy. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, TA four. We'll jump to that one now, uh, which was another one of the smaller trades. Uh, this one I I I do know was for um, uh, a title game because it was the guy that was playing against me, which is why these are elevens. By the way. Uh, <laughs> I had to get that in there. Twenty twenty four, two eleven, and three eleven for Dalton Schultz. He only had. I did look. Um, he only had Cole commit on his roster as a significant tight end. He had other tight ends, but it was like Noah Gray and who might have even produced uh, produced Dalton Schultz for all I know. But uh, and guys like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, what do you think about this as a as a title move kind of thing here, Tommy? I think you just bought the higher end of the profile you'd get at the 211 a few months early. I think this is a great trade. I would do this. Like, what are you realistically hoping to acquire at the 211? Like, a tight end that's developmental that could eventually turn into a Dalton Schultz? That would be awesome. I would love to get that. But you got it in December, and you got it when you needed the points. I, I love this deal. I, I'm with you there. Like to me, I view basically the second half of the, the second round as almost like thirds. Like mm -hmm. most of those guys are not going to hit, and if they do, like you said, you're hoping you get Dalton Schultz level production. Yeah, that, that's the hit you're getting usually, not always, but usually at the end of the second round. Historically, uh, warp goes negative around pick thirty. It has negative value on your roster, so this is a great deal. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, it's I, I would do this at any point of the season. Um, so I'm I'm totally fine with it. I totally understand the Cole Komet thing though, because I have many, many a share of Cole Komet. <laughs> and my my local peeps here were telling me that it was pretty unlikely that he would play. And if he did, he'd be severely limited. Yep. And so I I had a couple situations like this where I basically had to make a trade too and and you know, thank God I listened to them because they were right. Uh, he did end up being active, but he literally didn't Nothing. do anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get it. And if you're in that situation, you know, that's uh, if you go back to the Tarad trade, right? That's like a guy for one game. But this is this is a trade that you can use him now. But like Tommy said, you can have him in the future, too. So whether he resigns in Houston or he goes somewhere else, 
uh, I'm, I'm totally good with that. So I'm always okay with that trade because it's future value as well. Yeah, Schultz is not an older guy. He's uh, he'll be around for a bit, and you know he's never going to be uh, elite, but he could definitely be giving you you know fill in flex production for 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 years. Uh, TA six. This was one made today. Um, knowing we needed some trades for the show, which might have factored in a little bit to to me doing it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it was actually between me and Tommy. So I'll, I'll let Scott comment on this wow. one first. Um, TA6, Josh Downs for Keenan Allen, straight up. Uh, so, Sidla, what are, what are your thoughts here? So initially I thought, oh, that's that's really not enough for Allen. But then I remembered it's January 2nd and the season's over. So looking forward... Um, yeah, I think I think it makes sense. I think for you know trying to downs isn't hasn't done enough to um, it's not worth the risk of if you're a contender and you could add Keenan Allen for next year, I would trade downs. I also I I traded uh, Dotson um, in a trade similar to this a couple weeks ago. Same thing. I like Dotson as much as I like downs, but again, they've had flashes, haven't shown enough to have that production. But if I'm on the other side of it and I'm like, listen, this team, Keenan Allen's not ever going to help me. Will I take a shot on Josh Downs? Uh, absolutely. I will. I'm a sucker for that. So, so I totally get it. Assuming one of you is going to be contending next year. And one of you is maybe just trying to get younger um, or maybe not necessarily contending next year. So, so you basically did again part of a little part of my thinking was let's get a trade for the show but that was also part of my thinking too was that i am the i think contender in this scenario i was second in points this year went out in the semis j mike we all know we've said it a million times on trade addicts uh he has dominated ta6 i believe won his third title in a row this year i was hoping to take him by the way I was in the third place game, but I outscored J Mike this week. I would have won, but just moral victory out in the semis. Damn it. Uh, my team shit the bed last week, but anyway, uh, but that's what I'm doing. And that was part of my thinking too, though, was that I want to take down J Mike. So I wanted, I wanted Keenan Allen. Uh, I didn't have a ton of young asset. I, it's not super old team. I, I have like Jalen Waddle and TJ Hawkinson and some other guys. Um, but uh, it, it's not a young team either. And this is one of the younger assets I had. I thought, and, and then, like you said, I realized, you know, the second uh, Sunday was over, Keenan Allen's value plummeted. So I thought I can trade, try and trade Josh Downs. Maybe he becomes something, maybe he doesn't. He had a real nice start to the year, uh, really tailed off in the second half. And uh, maybe with Richardson back, he does better. But I, I am willing to take that risk, take Keenan Allen, I think I, I know I I specifically looked before I made this trade. He is going to be 32 next year. I realize that, but he was 31. I mean, we see he's aging well. He's not his, his game's not predicated on speed. Uh, he, obviously, he got hurt at the end of the year. That's obviously more of a risk as you get older. But the dude produced ridiculously. So uh, even if yeah. he falls off some next year, I still think I'm probably getting. A uh, low end. I believe he was leading the league in receptions when he when he got hurt. Uh, so I'm probably getting a low end one, uh, even if he falls off a little bit. High end two at worst, I think. Still got Justin Herbert throwing to him, 
and I figured it was worth the risk of that downs booms. So that's basically what my thinking was. I guess we can throw it to Tommy and see what his thinking was because he took downs here. Yeah. So when I joined Trade Addicts, there's this sort of like waiver that you have to sign with Russ of, you know, <laughs> don't be a jerk, you know. But one of the provisions is do things you wouldn't normally do, right? Like have fun with this and like do fun things. I'm a base rates guy. Um, I ascribe to Jordan McNamara's base rates and like I use them pretty religiously in all of my other leagues. And it's likely that Keenan Allen has about one and a half more hits, top 24 finishes left in his career. Josh Downs has less than one, but just less than one. And so I'm losing through my process. However, like this is a lesson for the rebuilders. Like when I took over this team, it had nine total wins in three years. I won eight or nine games this year because I was willing to go for it. I traded for Keenan Allen in season before he went bananas. I got all of his points. I gave up a 208 and a 308 is what it turned out to be. Coming into the non-point scoring season, Scott, you nailed it. Like, I think that there's going to be a ship's passing in the night moment where they're evenly valued late in this offseason. And I have to pick right because I don't have a lot of really strong assets on my team. Um, I I have to be right on individual players, which is a very difficult thing to do. And so I just had to make a bet. And I don't normally do this, but I wanted to A, get a trade done so that you and I could talk, Rocky. <laughs> but B, like, I, I wanted to practice um, talent evaluation. I'm not great at it. And this is a bet that I am making. And so now I'm a little bit more invested in this league. And if he hits and I trade him for a first, I remember that like, hey, I bought Keenan Allen for the 208-308, used up all his points, traded him away to another contender, and got the same thing in the offseason and flipped it for a first. Like That is what you have to do as a rebuilder. If you take over an orphan that's not great, you have to be right more significantly than the average player, and this is a bet on that. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a really interesting trade once we ended up when she saw, saw you accepted it. Uh, and I agree, I agree with you. Their values could definitely are definitely, I think that's why that's why I offered it. I, I don't think they're that far off now, just because, like I said, the second points aren't being scored anymore. Like, that's what I was trying to take advantage of. Nobody wants to, to give up a lot for Keenan Allen, and, and people are willing to accept less for Keenan Allen, knowing that you know he's going to be worth nothing, not nothing, but a lot less for the next eight months. And then if he produces like he did this past year, then it'll go back up again in season. But, um, but yeah, we'll move on to our last couple of trades, which are our bigger name trades here. Uh, This other one was also in TA three. One was a, I believe in the title game. One was not Uh, CD lamb and a 2025 fourth. Yeah. Cause the, the guy who actually won the title got the CD side uh, uh, for Jamar chase and a 2025 third. Uh, so Scott, I'll let you start on this one. Uh, two pretty, two pretty, you know, is, uh, is Justin Rogers in this league by any chance? Um, <laughs> he basically he offered me the same uh, trade in, in one of our leagues that were in together where I had lamb. He offered me chase plus a little bit. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I get it. Like they get one guy's, one guy's hurt or kind of hurt and playing with a backup quarterback and one guy's on fire and you're going for the ship and long-term you're probably not giving up a ton of value. So, 
uh, and, you know, get a, get the pick bump there too. So I, I get this for both sides. Um, it makes perfect sense. It's the perfect championship week trade that can help you now and doesn't hurt you in the future. And I think that's ultimately, you know, what you're trying to do. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, I just, I cringed a little bit when I saw lamb because I went against him in eight leagues. So it was, uh, it, it was a rough uh, championship week there. So I'm, I'm guessing he did in fact win uh, based on that performance. So it, it was worth it. It was worth it. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I really like the, the lamb side of this uh, as even taking out the whole title game aspect of it. Uh, how big of a difference do you think there was between Jamar chase and CD lamb over the season? I think uh, lamb outscored him, didn't he? By five, where is it? I'm saying five, points per game. Yeah, points per game, 5.6 points per game. I'm sorry, 5.8 points per game over the course. Of, I mean, we're at the point now where I don't know that Jamar Chase should be valued over C.D. Lamb. I mean, we've been C.D. Lamb was uh, also a very, very high-end prospect, and we're getting to the point where he's finally uh, uh, really, really coming into that. So, I, I'm not sure that Jamar Chase should be significantly valued over CD Lamb anyway, and and if he is at all, and it's regardless, a year age difference, one year. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. So yeah. I mean, they're both young players, and I'm not sure uh, CD Lamb doesn't outproduce him for the next couple of years. So, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts before we move on to the last one? Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for take lock and hindsight bias with this trade, right? It's, it's tough to sit in the space before championship week now and look at this trade offer in your inbox. I can tell you if it were me and I were facing the other person and I held CD lamb, I would have done this deal. I would have taken on Jamar chase because I do think there is a difference. Um, I play in enough leagues where if I look like an idiot and CD lamb scores 41 points championship week, I can, I can live with that, I guess. Um, because that's not, it, it was a possible outcome. It happened, but it wasn't a likely outcome. I think the likely outcome was that this trade, um, if both these players were even in the championship, it was inconsequential, um, to the outcome of the matchup. And so I would just make a dynasty trade. Which which player do I think is better? The third and the fourth don't matter. Um, I think Jamar Chase is a better football player. And uh, J. Mike says in the chat, are we confident with that with Burrow and Chase's injury, we ever saw the real version of themselves this season? Which is a fair point. Uh, I will say, going back to uh, to uh, last season, um, there was only two points a game separating them even last season when CD uh, hadn't played as well. Uh, so, uh, again... Uh, to me, I just view them as as virtual equals going forward. Maybe my evaluation's off. I don't know, but that's just the way I look at it. Uh, I, I, so, like I said, whether one was in the title game or not, I'd be fine with taking the uh, either side here. I think uh, he, yeah, he added the third, which doesn't really matter, but the slightly higher pick to the chase side. So, in I kind of like. Yeah, and twenty five, that even more so. Yeah, so it's basically it basically is a straight up trade yeah. uh, at this point, and I I don't mind making the bet that CD might be better for the next two three years. I I declined for what it's worth. I did not take Chase, even though I think probably most people would have, but I kept Lamb. That's probably my take lot because I love Lamb coming in. He's my guy. I'm not pretty much not trading him for anything unless 
it's you know insane which some people might think chase is but i i don't think there's enough of a difference uh, uh, yeah, just for anyone who thinks I might be a homer, I, I love CeeDee Lamb, and he's a Dallas Cowboy. So. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll get on to our last trade, which is in TA1. And I thought this one was it. This was done today, too, after I asked people we needed some trades, and we got good. a couple in. Uh, yeah, this is a real interesting one to me. Uh, and, Scott, I'll let you start on this one. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown straight up for C.J. Stroud. Yeah, that's – uh. That's a good trade. Um, I was kind of a, a late uh, adopter to the uh, the the sun god, um, you know, value. I guess um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I ha- always had a couple shares. He was somebody I didn't roster a ton of. Uh, definitely missed him. Um, Stroud, on the other hand, is a guy I had a lot of. Uh, to me, I, you know, I think I always lean quarterback. Uh, you know. Um, sometimes you see these first year performance, you know, it makes you think of like Baker, you know, his rookie year. And then people were taking him in the first round in startups and what happened there and all that, you know, I don't think Stroud's Baker, but um, yeah, I probably still lean uh quarterback here, but it's, it's fascinating that, well, let me ask it to you this way. Stroud was the consensus one Oh four. So would you trade the one Oh four for Amon Ra? this time last year hands down the answer is yes yes Yes. right yeah um so i guess it just shows how far uh stroud has come up right like he's he's definitely um probably in that second tier of quarterbacks right behind you know allen and hurts and whoever else you want to have up there mahomes so so yeah i get it i'll probably go quarterback here for me um but tommy i don't know curious what you think it's a tough one um i mean you have to look at this through different lenses right what is the more rare profile i would say the quarterback who's doing what cj stroud has done is probably more rare and so if you just want like the most basic filter that's probably enough to do this deal um the next question you have to ask yourself though is amon ross st brown is he able to elevate above a very good wide receiver group that we're currently seeing in dynasty right now. Um, Do we anticipate this 20 point per game average continuing for the next several years? Because that is meaningful. Um, That gives you, you know, a two point per game or so advantage over about half the league at the wide receiver one position. For me, I I just, I lean toward quarterback because I think I can do more with a CJ Stroud over the next nine months I think I could trade him away if I wanted to. I think I could leverage the quarterback position more effectively um, than I could the wide receiver position in terms of building up my roster construction. Um, I I think you can probably recreate a lot of what Amon Ra does with, you know, taking advantage of somebody who's trading away Keenan Allen, let's say, um, (laughs) and get a lot of that production for a lot less and hold on to CJ Stroud. And so I I think there's a lot more flexibility on the quarterback side. I think there's maybe a little bit more upside in the value game, um, which I don't play as much as maybe I should. If you're going to hold these players for the next five years, I think it's very even. Um, If you're not intending to, I think you you go quarterback. I think uh, my answer might surprise you guys, but I I would probably go CJ Stroud here. And to me, it was honestly kind of easily Stroud. Like, 
and, and this is not to slight Amon Ra, uh, because uh, I mean he's like he's the wide receiver four in in DLF ADP, and I think that's where he should be after the two guys we talked about in Jefferson. I think it's Amon Ra. I think he's proven that over the last couple of years. Uh, I just think kind of what Tommy said, like. What C.J. Stroud has done as a rookie is, is it really stands out to me. Uh, we see a lot of guys who are very good struggle as rookies, and uh, he's had you know uh, some struggles here and there. But he he, he was on a early on, especially an historic uh, pace, at least yardage wise. And he was not throwing interceptions, which is huge from a regular NFL level. Uh, so. I just think that you can, and he kind of said this too, Tommy did, uh, you can leverage CJ Stroud. I think you should be getting a plus with Amara. You can, he's, he's, I looked at this too. He's the QB four, uh, the QB four, especially to certain, maybe not to me, if you're trading to me, but to certain people in dynasty, you can get the world for the QB four. And I just feel like you should be able to get a little more, even than a high end wide receiver, um, in a super flex league. So uh, I, I definitely lean Stroud on here. Would I trade Amon Ra for CJ Stroud? I'm not sure. I, I think I might, but uh, it would be harder for me actually doing it. But if, I, um, if I'm just looking at it from an outsider point of view, I just think the value is definitely on the CJ Stroud side. There's only a point per game difference between them, which I think was kind of surprising when I looked uh, at that. So, yeah. That's, but also, C.J. Stroud yeah. is a rookie quarterback who we can expect to yeah. potentially be scoring more than that a year true, or two true. now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that is our last trade, and that is the end of our show sheet. So that is the end of our show. Um, I want to thank Scott for coming on and subbing for us here. Uh, Semi-last minute, I believe we asked him this morning. <laughs> and uh, I want to give Tommy a chance to just remind everybody, uh, you know, who you are, what you do, and where they can find what you do. Yeah, Tommy Blair at FFTommyB. Um, we haven't announced anything yet, but I do have something coming up um, this offseason, a new show um, that I will be taking part in. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be very different. Me too. So stay posted on that. But also... I'm going to be on the Superflex Super Show this offseason, and we have really, really good content coming out. Um, we've got all sorts of ideas in the hopper, and I'm, I'm excited about what y'all are going to be listening to. I think that that is going to be exactly what the Super Friends have come to expect um, in the non-point scoring season. And so please stay tuned um, because, yeah, the, the season never ends. I mean, we've got some trades to make, y'all. <laughs> and also uh rookie season is coming up and so we know we'll be talking about that for the next uh three and a half months or whatever it is but uh but again i want to uh thank both of you for coming on tonight uh, and helping me out with no rust here and uh i do want to just uh plug our stuff uh, i'm a dynasty ff addict he's at scott underscore sidlow i did i remember that correctly scott Okay. Um, Portfolio Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at Trade Addicts Pod. Make sure you give us uh, a, a like, uh, subscribe, rate, and review on on, uh, uh, on the podcast feeds, wherever you're uh, listening, and, and uh, follow us um, on all platforms. And I this is also where Russ would uh, 
plug fantasy cares, but he would do that a lot better than me. So I'm just going to mention it here and, and leave it at that. Um, and I think, I think that's pretty much all I have to mention at the end of the show. So I'm just going to say good night, fellas. Good night, Rocky. <laughs> See y'all. Thank, Thank you, you for listening to the Great Addict Podcast, a member of the DLS family of podcasts, and a proud member in the Dynasty Addict Podcast Network. Please follow your hosts at Dynasty Haha and at Dynasty FS Addict. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We will catch you next time on the Trade Addict Podcast. Poopy pants. That is the best. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.